Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. This podcast is on training requirements for adults and children's safeguarding. What are they and what do they mean? Wendy Tharagood, consultant nurse and safeguarding, is in discussion with our own GP and Wessex LMC's medical director, Claire Sieber. So Wendy, I'm a bit confused about safeguarding training and what the requirements are, and I'm sure I'm not the only GP out there who is. So are you able to clarify what level of safeguarding training I need to do and how I can make sure what I'm doing is that level, how often I need to be doing it, how many hours of it I need to be doing and whether I can be doing it online and face-to-face or a combination of both. Yeah, the, the best way is a combination of both and, and I'll just share your confusion because again it's guidance um, that is actually, you have the intercollegiate document that says this is what they recommend that you should do which causes the confusion Every GP has to be trained to level three, which means you would have at some stage done a level one and a level two course, I should imagine. Um, Perhaps that was in your training or leading up to it. So once you've actually done the level one, level two, you never need to do it again. Um, So the level three has to be repeated every three years. And equally, you can be having conversations within your practice. So some of the conversations that you actually have, you may be sharing um, learning from a serious case review that's come up within your area. So in one of your, because do you have like team meetings where you actually have like learning afternoons? Absolutely. And we have significant event meetings as well. Yeah. So well, a significant event. So something that's actually happened to your practice that's relevant. So if you take a subject of, say, um, domestic abuse, you're going to discuss that in, in further. So you're actually having that conversation. So you're looking at whatever learning can out from that situation and how it actually affects your practice Mm -hmm. um, and what you could put in place so even having that conversation you're actually recognizing it it's something CQC really like so if you can actually evidence that an incident actually happened this is the conversation that we actually had this is what we put in place and this is how we're protecting other people that we might see with that similar situation and as I say domestic abuse is just one subject it may be that you've had a case of um, a sexual abuse case that you've then talked about wider within your within your practice Um, so that will all add up so actually having having these different conversations keep a reflective log so when you do have um, the visits that you can actually prove but equally for your own revalidation and the same will apply for nurses Um, if a nurse is actually seeing a qualified practice nurse they should be trained at level three too what What that does allow you to do is within your practice is to build people that have special interest. So you could have a cohort of of different practitioners that have different levels of expertise, but even having those conversations and those reflective um, discussions in relation to it. So you may see something and you think um, Mr. Smith down there actually knows more about that. I'll go and have that conversation with him. You can even recall that as um as a level three conversation because it's more in depth you're actually taking an action Mm -hmm. and again to actually record that so you've got your reflective log of your training does that help or is there anything else you're still confused about no that that does that makes it really clear so i need to be doing my specific level three safeguarding every three years which it sounds like can include uh, practice discussions about safeguarding issues and significant event queries and but also listening to these podcasts count as well towards my yes CPD. yeah yeah and equally the podcast may be coming from the, the medical you know here but there will be things like on the truth project there'd be other 
situations that might spring up and you think oh I want to do a little bit more research in relation to that area say if it was hoarding or neglect you know there may be something else that you see that can spark your mind and that will just add up to your hours and it keeps you updated um, it keeps you compliant with what the intercollegiate document recommends as guidance um, and as I say you can complement that by doing some online um, but they do recommend the face-to-face -face. so you know that's your every sort of like three years the level three training will change and it will adapt with what new govern which guidance is coming out um but the you know they're not expecting you to know every little bit of legislation you will be updated on that mm -hmm. that will be made available to you in other in other ways so there may even be a briefing that comes out to say this new document say next year we've got liberty protect coming out so there will be a briefing perhaps coming out from your medical organization to say this is going to affect your practice and again that's considered as level three mm. because it's giving you the update on a Pacific new document. And just as we've had the changes to the Children's Act, that was widely um, publicised to all practitioners, you know, not only medical practitioners. And again, it's thinking, right, how is that going to impact my practice? And that's what people are looking for. And equally for your own competence, and especially within nurses having to revalidate they have to pull out different areas, different case scenarios, and that would fit perfectly within those conversations within your practice. And perhaps, especially if you were having a multi-agency meeting in relation, because you're discussing safeguarding all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you want to get too hung up on the fact of the the sort of like the level one or two and does it meet level three you're having an in-depth conversation that would be considered as level three you're thinking more about the situation you're having those conversations and I honestly think that GPs if you really look at what you're doing you're going to be having well over your hours it's just about being able to evidence that yes and, and recognizing that when yeah. we've had that discussion oh yes we yeah. can use that for our yeah. CPD are there any online resources that you could recommend or um, places that we could subscribe to so we get these alerts that you mentioned about the Liberty? Your CCG will be should be sending okay. you out um, information in relation to change of policy. So you'll be getting information like that from your name GPs. And it's really worth using them as well. You could invite them along to your practice to have a, a more in-depth conversation. So every area will have name GPs that are responsible. And they will be looking and they will be keeping you informed. And there's normally um, even some of the NSPCC stuff. You can sign up to CASPA, which gives you all the children's. So that will give you all the up-to-date, serious case reviews, learning, but a bit hard to troll through unless you're really interested in something. Mm -hmm. So it's worth actually just waiting and getting the information from the named GPs. And that's part of their core role, is to make sure that all the general practitioners are updated. And that's not just um, GPs, it's the practice nurses. And equally, we have to be mindful of the um, practice staff, the receptionists. We would like them to have all done level one and have some key staff actually even them to level two I've had some um, practice managers that have actually come along to level three training because they're dealing with the safeguarding and that's quite relevant too because they get to hear um, and we've had some really good responses from practice um, reception staff that have identified some real key okay. safeguarding issues so it's about including everyone because remember they could be the people that could be sitting in the waiting room seeing what's going on um, and they actually you know equally the um, office staff are responsible for things like your HR checks mm -hmm. which definitely fall into level three you know are they making the right checks have you got the whistleblowing policy in place mm -hmm. and and such like so it is a whole practice um, 
thing and it's worth thinking can I bring some of these people in for some of these conversations obviously they wouldn't want to hear an in-depth thing on say sexual abuse or something like that they just need to know the key headlines and what to look for which level two would give them and level one would give you the awareness and the only other area is if you're thinking of having bigger um, practices you may start having volunteers and again that's another element of training and you would want them trained at level one volunteers um, and to make sure that they were working within their competence you wouldn't want them to be doing something that was out of their comfort zone that's useful to know so i'm thinking now about the the practical work that we do day to day as gps and how we can uh, evidence that so if we were to for example complete a safeguarding report and then uh, read the 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 multi-agency report that then comes back after a discussion and reflect on that would that count as well towards yeah it's a reflective log yeah yeah so you may actually have a case that's um, bubbling on that's particularly interesting and as I say if you actually think you know I, I need to know more say about neglect and so you just do a search I mean there's an awful lot online in relation to neglect and the um, physical impact on the families um, that would definitely as I say but you have to just keep that evidence log mm-hmm. um, and you'll quickly see that it will fill up um, and it makes um, training far more relevant you know chalk and talk is is getting very boring now so it is about how can we do things differently to really make it relevant so something like a masterclass that's sort of digging into um, a, a particular subject and as I say that can be you can just see that advertised you know it might be the CCG or advertising training or NSPCC or something else in your area mm-hmm. that would count for it but having it equally that will count for as much as having a reflective conversation with your colleagues on a situation discussing you know you did this you know could you have done it differently and if you could actually reflect on that that is just as valuable and that's what they want to see and if that translated into a change within your practice I mean we we are all talking tick box here aren't we and (laughs) what's going to give you a good um, CQC evaluation but actually translating some learning into practice that's what they will be asking and and, and equally, it's just proving that you're thinking at that level, how can we protect or how can we protect future patients that are walking through the door? Mm-hmm. It's not all just face-to-face training. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think I could probably think a bit smarter now about how I can use these discussions that I'm having every day and make sure I'm also using them in my CPD and then we're using them in a practice as well and it also being evidence that we can give the CQC as well. Yes. All in one go. And equally, that is what training's about. It's about to take those little nuggets and actually translate it into action because it's just learning and reflection, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And equally, there's only one other area that I think um, GPs should be aware of is supervision is because some of the cases that you're dealing with, you may just need to actually have that conversation because it's been really harrowing. And I don't think GPs always realise the importance of supervision and just to be able to discuss with another colleague so you're not carrying that burden because you can see some really awful things day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Or if there's a tragic event, um, it's making sure, again, within your practice um, that it's there and it's available. And again, that's another area where you can utilise your name GPs. So have a proper debrief after something happens and include all of the staff that have been involved in the debrief. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Thank you. So Wendy, let's be clear. So what do I need as a GP in terms of the recommended requirements for safeguarding for adults training? It's eight hours over three years 
um, part of that section has to be a face-to-face training. You can do e-learning and you can do reflective, but the total hours over the three years is, is eight hours. And what is the recommended requirement for safeguarding for children training as a GP? As a GP, it is 12 hours, a mixture of face-to-face, reflective, and as I say, you can do some e-learning okay. over three years. Perfect. And that can include the level three face-to-face training that we need to do. will include, that has to include over three years. And how would that change if I was to become the lead GP for safeguarding children at the practice? So you still have to do your 12 hours, but you get an additional four hours. So in total, it's 16 hours over three years. Thank you. I think, Wendy, as a final point, you were talking about the importance of debriefing after a particularly horrible situation. Um, It's not always easy to debrief with your colleagues in practice because we're all so busy so I'd just like to remind everybody listening that we at Wessex LMCs have the GP support and development scheme and as part of that we're happy to have a confidential chat with any GP who's got any problem that they want to discuss further we don't mind just having a chat and doing the debrief ourselves so if you want to access that service you just need to call the office or email the office and we'll be able to help you out. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.